That, my child, is the next step in our evolution. More powerful, more beautiful. I think I shall call him Adam. This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! is the Ultimate Marvel Podcast, episode, what is it, 37, 38, 40? I don't know, I've lost track. But what I do know is this episode is all about the man, the myth, and the legend, Adam Warlock. And I could not find anybody to match my fanaticism for this character. So today I'm rolling solo, guys. You got just me. I'm like, I'm like a Browns fan at an NFL playoff game. The only one, or like the DC actor at the Academy Awards. Not too many showing up these days. But I'm kidding. No hate tweets, DC fans. Or, if you can't resist, send them to at RonBar316. So, you may be wondering, why even do an all-Warlock episode? And that's exactly why I'm here, to explain why, despite not even being an A or B-list character, Warlock is extremely important. Warlock and his mythos, his history, may be one of the most important in the Marvel Universe, as it is right now, as well as the cinematic universe. And I'm going to get into that and explain it, but all this stuff with Infinity Stones, that is like the lifeline of characters like the Vision, or the passion of Thanos, the race to collect all these Infinity Gems to, to rule the entire universe, uh, as well as this like 15-year MCU storyline that's been developing and building leading into Infinity War, it all started with this seldom-known character named Adam Warlock, or sometimes just referred to as simply him. Anytime there's an imbalance detected, thanks to Warlock here, we intervene and deal with the situation, whatever it may be. So Warlock was created, like most Marvel characters, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby back in the 60s. But Adam Warlock, as we know him today, was really developed by a guy named Roy Thomas in the early 70s. Now, Roy was one of Marvel's premier writers in the 60s and 70s, and eventually he went on to become uh, editor-in-chief at Marvel. But before that, Marvel was trying to come up with a way to, uh, I guess, test out and try new characters and new concepts. And the way they did that was they created the series called Marvel Premiere. And what Marvel Premiere would do was take a character, a new character, or a character that people weren't too familiar with, and it would feature them in, in one or two issues of Marvel Premiere. Characters like Doctor Strange, um, Iron Fist was in Marvel Premiere, and these characters were featured to see if they would gain traction and something Marvel should continue to pursue. Um, I think even Black Panther was in Marvel Premiere a couple issues. But the, the Marvel Premiere started, issues one and two, they started with Adam Warlock. So, Adam Warlock was a character that had not been in Marvel Comics uh, that much at all up to that point. He had been previously introduced in two issues of the Fantastic Four, issues 66 and 67, where most Marvel, a lot of Marvel characters at least got their start. But in those two issues, Adam was introduced 
as a, he was an artificially created being. He was created by a group of these radical scientists called the Enclave. And they had, the Enclave had very political ambitions. Um, they wanted to, like a lot of supervillains, they wanted to rule the entire world. But theirs was more of not a, a vicious motivation, but more of a political motivation. Um, so they created this perfect being, is what Adam Warlock was designed to be. And he was going to help them usher in this new age of almost like a, a dictatorship uh, where they felt like they knew what was best for society. And obviously, you know, Marvel heroes weren't down with that. So to make a long story short, what happens is Adam Warlock turns on the Enclave. He, he doesn't respond the way they expected him to. He ends up teaming up with the Fantastic Four and destroying the Enclave. And uh, that's the end of them. And now we have this new character in the Marvel Universe named Adam Warlock. Okay, that probably didn't help explain things. Our plan was to keep him occupied long enough to let Warlock pull him in here. He's a threat bigger than anything we've ever seen. Now, one of the things I think Roy Thomas did that was really interesting with Warlock is he was a lot like uh, the Silver Surfer in, in some ways as far as his powers went and as far as his, uh, he was sort of this cosmic character. But unlike the Silver Surfer who came to Earth and was very curious about humanity and wanted to learn about humanity, Warlock was very infantile. Mentally, he was like a, a baby. He didn't know anything about the world. He didn't know anything about uh, the universe. He just knew that he was here and he had all these powers. And a lot of the early issues just had to do with him doing just really kind of dumb things that like your kids would do when they're little because like they don't understand how the world works. He There's an early issue in Thor 165 and 166, I believe, where he almost hits on Sith, kind of takes her as his prisoner because he needs companionship and he's not trying to do anything specifically malicious. He just doesn't understand yet yet that this is not acceptable in, in society. And uh, Thor's not having any of that. Thor thinks he's some sort of threat, but and in, anyways, they end up going at it. And to make a long story short, Thor kicks his butt. And that's really all there was to this character at that time. He wasn't used that much. And it wasn't until Roy Thomas reintroduced him in Marvel Premiere that the, the, the character of Adam Warlock really started being developed and became a very interesting and pivotal character in a lot of ways. So what Roy Thomas had done at that time is he had created something called Counter-Earth. Now, in order to not, he was experimenting with some interesting concepts. And in order to avoid disrupting the chronology that was going on in the current Marvel Universe, he created something called Counter-Earth. And what it was, was it was like a, another Earth similar to ours, but it was on the other side of the sun. So from our Earth, we could not see it. And from Counter-Earth, it could not see us. And so they existed without really any knowledge of each other. Uh, now, the High Evolutionary, who was sort Sort of like a scientist um, in his own right, but he was experimenting with the different evolutionary sciences and he had become very evolved himself. He had He's the one that's responsible for creating Counter-Earth and he also created a character called the Man-Beast. who, to make a long story short, sort of became the all evil of Counter-Earth. Whatever evil was happening on Counter-Earth, he was somehow responsible for it. And so Roy Thomas, in an interview, he had revealed that he was a, um, a big fan of Jesus Christ's superstar. And so he started playing with these ideas, like these biblical ideas of an all good power and an all bad power in order to sort of counterbalance 
what he had done with Man Beast, he brought Adam Warlock onto the scene. The High Evolutionary uh, finds Adam Warlock. He sends him to Counter-Earth the Battle of the Man Beast. But one very important thing that Roy Thomas did here was in order to um, help humanize as well as empower Warlock to be successful on this mission, he gives him something called the Soul Gem. Okay, enough. I want answers. Who are you people? And why can you weird aliens speak English now? We are speaking mind to mind through the power of Adam Warlock's soul gem. Korvac's power grows. He would have destroyed us all had I not pulled us into the soul gem. Now, we're all familiar with the Infinity Stones and Infinity Gems at this point. At this stage of the Marvel Universe, it didn't exist. There were no Infinity Stones, there were no Infinity Gems. And a matter of fact, uh, when the High Evolutionary gave Adam Warlock the Soul Gem, I don't even think there was any intention of being other gems. This was just a way, just a device he came up with in order to, you know, empower this character. But nevertheless, that was the birth of the Infinity Stones that everything is sort of running wild with today. Now, while on Counter-Earth, Warlock, at this point, he's just called him. He doesn't even have a name yet. Uh, Roy Thomas continues to play with the sort of uh, Christ-like theme with him. Warlock ends up having a group of sort of followers that sort of worship him in a way and follow him. There's like this hippie group of people. This is in the 70s, so you can imagine what they were like. And uh, one of the girls in the group is actually the one that gives him the name Adam Warlock. He didn't have a name. He needed one. He's using the name Adam to sort of, again, tie into this business biblical theme of like the first man of creation and this perfect being. It's really interesting stuff. I highly recommend going back and reading Roy Thomas's early stuff on Adam Warlock, especially the first two Marvel premiere issues. They're both excellent. And then that actually, um, Warlock, that extends into his own solo series, which is uh, very interesting as well. But I highly recommend at least reading those first two issues. Now, Adam Warlock, at every stage that he's sort of been relevant, he's sort of had this underground sort of cult following as far as Marvel readers go, but he never gained huge popularity. Even though when he is on the scene, he's it's usually something pretty big event that everybody loves going on. Um, and it was the same way in the 70s, but as I had mentioned before, uh, Roy Thomas was promoted to editor-in-chief, and when that happened, his, his writing duties declined, and one of the characters that sort of got left behind was Adam Warlock. We don't really see Adam Warlock again until the 90s, when another great writer, sort of similar in similar fashion to Roy Thomas, decides, hey, I'm gonna pick up this character, I'm gonna reinvent him and do some great things with him. And that man was Jim Starlin, who for me is, I guess, one of my all-time favorite writers because my first comic I ever read was in Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Um, I went to my local comic book store and they were raving about this book. It was right after the fallout of the Infinity Gauntlet and Jim Starlin was the writer. So that was my first exposure to uh, Marvel comics or comics really in general. Um, I think I also picked up some of the Wolverine run in the 90s and I followed that read some X-Men stuff. I think I remember reading Sleepwalker early on back then, but really, Warlock and the Infinity Watch was the, the, the book that hooked me and got me into comics. Now, I wanna focus on Adam Warlock and the Infinity Stone, so there's a lot I'm leaving out in order to help this move along, but 
If you have a chance to read about Adam Warlock, he's an extremely complex character, extremely interesting character. There's some really in interesting stuff that's done with his sort of split personality. There's a character called the Magus, which is Adam's future self, evil self. And the whole idea behind Magus is uh, the longer, uh, if, if Adam Warlock stays connected to the Soul Stone long enough, he will eventually uh, become Magus. Uh, he does a lot of good with the Soul Stone, but it slowly does corrupt him into this character called the Magus. So Adam Warlock has to either be killed or he has to be separated from the Soul Stone before that happens. And I guess I should point out that there's also some Marvel Cinematic Universe theories that Magus may work his way into Infinity War, uh, if not in this in this upcoming Infinity War movie this summer, which probably he wouldn't be in because the villains, I think we already know, the Black Order, Thanos, are going to show up. But there are rumors that in the sequel, which is sort of a follow-up movie to this, that the Magus could either work with Thanos, maybe the fallout of that movie, or Magus would sort of be the big bad taking over. They're all just rumors right now, but you never know. In addition, there's also the opposite of Magus, which is a character called the Goddess, and it's like an extremely good version of Warlock, but she's good to a fault, and in, in, in a weird way becomes this, uh, out of this goodness, becomes this supervillain called uh, the, the, the Goddess. Super interesting stuff. There's all, also a, um, a church called the Church of, of Universal Truth that it, are his followers. But I want to focus on Jim Starlin and what he did with Thanos, a character Jim Starlin created, and the Infinity Stones. Now, if you haven't read the Infinity Gauntlet, shame on you. You know what? Stop what you're doing. You should not be listening to this right now if you haven't read the Infinity Gauntlet. You shouldn't be doing anything. You need to leave your job or wherever you're at right now, get out of your car, go somewhere, get a copy of the Infinity Gauntlet, and read it. It is great. It is my all-time favorite uh, comic story, comic book story, and it's a uh, it's a six-issue miniseries in the early '90s, written by Jim Starlin. And the Infinity Gauntlet is what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been building towards. This whole idea of Thanos behind the scenes. All these Marvel movies and stories are happening, and Thanos is behind the scenes, and we see Infinity Gems popping up in different movies. And Thanos is trying to collect them all. We even saw the Infinity Gauntlet in the post credit scenes of Avengers Age of Ultron. At the end of the movie, Thanos is there. You see the Infinity Gauntlet, he puts it on and says something in his mischievous voice. Fine. I'll do it myself. We see the actual Infinity Gauntlet with the gems missing because Thanos still hasn't collected them yet, and he's going to use those to do some really disastrous things. That is all concepts from the book Infinity Gauntlet. In a nutshell, Adam Warlock possessed a soul gem, right, that was given to him, and that was just sort of a one-off thing that Roy Thomas had created. Starlin takes the Infinity, the, the soul gem, he adds five more soul gems. So now we have six soul gems, each one with sort of a unique power set. The soul gem, the power gem, uh, which as it, it makes makes you really strong if you're in contact with it. There's the mind gem, there's a time gem that allows you to kind of go back and forth in time. There's a space gem uh, that allows you to transport through space. A lot of really cool stuff. And the whole concept is these are super powerful singularities in the Marvel Universe. If somebody is capable of collecting all six and wielding the power of all six, then you have the power of God. You have, you can control time, space, souls. You can capture souls, reality. You can bend and shape things however you want. That's what Thanos is after. 
and he succeeds in the story. He collects all six gems, puts them in a gauntlet, and he has the power. He's the most powerful thing that exists in the Marvel Universe, and he's a bad dude, so he's the last person you want to have all that power. And on top of it, there's a character called Death, who Thanos is in love with. And the way he, you impress Death is with more Death. So Thanos sets out to just destroy the whole entire universe in order to impress Death, just like guys do. We want to impress that girl, so we do some stupid stuff to make it happen. Excuse me? Is your father a drug dealer? Because gosh, gosh darn you're dope. <laughs> Hi, are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. <laughs> Hi, um, I, I heard you were looking for, for a stud. <laughs> yeah, um, I got the STD, now all I need is you. Are you stupid or something? In this case, it didn't work as well. She was not impressed with Thanos. To make a long story short, this is an all-hands-on event. Every single character, or at least nearly every single character in the Marvel Universe is in this story, trying to stop Thanos and they ultimately win by a mission led by Adam Warlock. And with the help of everyone else, they're able to defeat Thanos. I'm not gonna go into it because you need to read it. What's important to know is that the fallout, the Infinity Gauntlet, Warlock becomes the sole possessor of all the gems. And this is not a good thing. So what happens is the Living Tribunal, he gets involved, they, he determines that no one person should have all these gems in conjunction together. He tells Warlock, you're not gonna be the protector of the gems on your own. They encourage Warlock to create a team. Warlock does that, he creates a team called the Infinity Watch. This is where I got into comics. All the stuff we've talked about to now, I sorta had to go back when I was a kid and learn it because my inception in the comics was with Warlock and the Infinity Watch. And the Infinity Watch is a team. It's like, it's actually, I always say this, it's the precursor to the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a team book, it's cosmic. The team members are Adam Warlock, Gamora, Drax, uh, Moon Dragon, and then also another guy named Pip the Troll, but four of the, the six members are in Guardians of the Galaxy when Abnett and Landing start writing it. Uh, Moon Dragon, Gamora, Drax, and as well as Warlock. But he also includes, Starlin also includes Pip into this team, and each one has a different gem, and that's their whole job. You take this gem, you protect it with your life. The sixth member, ironically, is Thanos. I'm still not even sure I understand why Thanos was the sixth member, being that he just destroyed the whole universe with the gems, but Warlock and Thanos always sort of had this sort of yin and yang relationship in the 90s. They worked together, they were, they were sort of frenemies in a way. They were friends, they were enemies. I shouldn't say they were friends. They had like a respect for each other, and because of that, they would sometimes work together, and Thanos, he was in a weird way more respectful of Warlock than he was anybody else and somehow Warlock trusted him to, to protect one of these stones, and it works out. But anyways, so the Infinity Watch is this team, they take refuge with the Mole Man. It's, I highly recommend to read it as well. It's a, it's a fun run, it's a 45 issue story, and it's just this group having lots of fun. They don't even, they don't necessarily have to stay together, but they wind up staying together. Uh, they're all sort of lost characters in their own right, and this team sort of gives them purpose. They get into all kind of crazy stuff. It was very popular at that time as well well and but much like in the 70s it was again it was popular but with this sort of cult following the character never really went mainstream like all these other characters do uh, warlock has never been front and front and center he's never been popular with merchandising 
He's never been a kid's character. He's just this dude that shows up, and when he shows up, some great storytelling and huge events happen. And that's sort of what happens the next time he shows up, at least in a major way. For the sake of being thorough, there were two other Adam Warlock miniseries that came out after this that they, I did not like them. I do not recommend them. If you want to learn more about the character, you're, you're feel free to read them, but don't say I didn't warn you. One limited series, I think it was four issue run that came out in 1998. I think it was by Tom Lyle, I believe. And then there was another one in 2004 uh, written, and I think written by Greg Pak. You know, who's a good writer. Again, I just didn't enjoy it, so proceed with caution. Those were miniseries, they were a little bit irrelevant. And the next time Adam Warlock really comes onto the scene is by a guy named Dan Abnett. Now, what Abnett was really good at, what he was really good at, at least in my opinion, was taking characters and sort of revamping them. And that's exactly what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy in 2008. We're an intergalactic peacekeeping force. We work together to keep the known galaxy stable. Guardians of the Galaxy. Sort of like Space Avengers. He created this team. It wasn't the original team. It was a team that he came up with. Much of the characters based off of the Infinity Watch, as I mentioned. Gamora was in it, Drax was in it, Moondragon was in it, Pip was not in it, but Adam Warlock eventually joins the team. And this is what we know as the modern day uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the movies are based off of Dan Abnett's Guardians of the Galaxy. And it was a and it was great because it was a reimagining of this these these sort of forgotten characters, but in a very modern way that people really enjoyed reading and his entire Guardians of the Galaxy is, uh, run is great. It ultimately leads into Annihilation which me and Ronnie have talked about before so I won't go into it but it's one of Ronnie's favorite Marvel events as well as mine. It's 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 great. So I definitely recommend reading uh, Annihilation as well as Abnett Lanning's Guardians of the Galaxy run. Great stuff. And this is why I said at the beginning that Adam Warlock is such an important character because the Guardians of the Galaxy, the movies are super popular and they, they've been well done. James Gunn has done a great job. They're based off of Dan Abnett's Guardians of the Galaxy featuring Adam Warlock as well as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Infinity Stones that have been plugged in probably two-thirds of these movies and that are building into Infinity War is based off of Jim Starlin's Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock is the most important character not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But if you saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2, one thing I hadn't mentioned, one of the cool thing, another cool thing about Adam Warlock is he's able to regenerate, but not he doesn't regenerate in the way that like Wolverine regenerate. Uh, you can kill Adam Warlock and he's gone and you won't see him for a long time. But when that happens, he retreats to his cocoon that he was actually birthed in way back when the character was created floats around space in this cocoon, and then years later, when he's ready, when his body has regenerated, he comes back on the scene. And often it's somebody waking him up prematurely because they need him for some reason, from some, you know, catatomic event that's going on that they have to wake him up early, and he's not happy about it. But in the end, end of the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 movie, hopefully you stayed and watched the post-credit scenes, because one of them, we see Aisha, the uh, golden high priestess of the Sovereign, after she failed against the, against the Guardians of the Galaxy, we see a cocoon and she's asked what it is. It's a new type of birthing pod, man. That, my child, is the next step in our evolution. More powerful, more beautiful, more capable of destroying the guardians of the galaxy. I think I shall call him Adam. 
Guardians of the Galaxy 3, the finale in the trilogy, will feature Adam Warlock. We know that for sure. We do not know if he's going to be on the scene earlier than that. Some people are doubtful. Some people are hopeful. We don't know yet. But nonetheless, he's on the scene. James Gunn is sort of reinventing his origin by having him uh, product of the Sovereign instead of the Enclave. But that happens in the MCU, and I'm cool with it, even though it's a big divergence from the canon of the character, uh, the MCU tends to do that. So I'm just glad the guy's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I never in my life thought that I would see an Adam Warlock movie. Nevertheless, one of this quality and of this importance. The big question is, will he exist in, in Infinity War? Doesn't look like he's going to be in Infinity War coming out this summer. There's some rumors that he could possibly be in the sequel to Infinity War, following Infinity War 2, or the unnamed Avengers movie that hasn't come out yet, uh, but that's a little bit conflicting with some things James Gunn has said, so we don't really know yet. But now, hopefully when you when he, when he does appear on the scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or earlier, as well as when you watch Infinity War and you see all this drama going on with these Infinity Stones, hopefully this gives you a little bit of history and, and understanding on what that's all about. If not, then I failed. It wouldn't be the first time. Now, the other reason I thought this was an important episode to do is because also, as well as the movies and the comics right now, Infinity Countdown just kicked off. And as I mentioned, Warlock always shows up when something big's going down, especially something big involving the Infinity, Infinity Gems. And that's what's going on right now, the Marvel Comic Universe. Yeah, there's a, a big event going on called Infinity Countdown. The, the one-shot, the first issue just came out this week, and it is Adam Warlock one-shot. I thoroughly enjoyed this. You know what? If you don't read any other Adam Warlock, this does a good job of giving you a really, really brief history of Adam. I think after listening to this, you'll probably it'll probably make a lot more sense uh, who this character is and why he's important and what uh, relevance he has to this this uh, developing story with Infinity Stones. It's by Gary Dugan and Michael Allred is doing the art on it, and it, it, it he does a cool little twist using some time travel and, and Warlock having to go back and forth in time with uh, different variations of Kang to sort of figure out what's going on and we don't know what's going on in the story yet we just know that infinity gems are appearing and warlock has followed suit something's about to go down so i hope you enjoyed this issue i hope it was at least somewhat educational i apologize for rolling solo it's not the same without ronnie on here but this was uh, an important information at least for me and i wanted to get it out there so i hope at least somebody out there enjoyed it and got something from it. I do want to thank everybody for listening every week. And I do want to um, also let everybody know that we are a part of a bigger network called Nerdy Legion. I know you hear the intro, our intros every day. There's some girl talking about Nerdy Legion. Check out some of our other podcasts. We have a great slew of podcast hosts. They cover all different sorts of subjects. If you're a DC fan, we got a DC podcast. If you're a Valiant fan, we got a Killer Valiant podcast that has been really in the nuts and bolts of everything Valiant. Uh, we have a, a an indie podcast. Friend Jay Loving does this podcast called Best of the Rest. You should check it out. We got a Doctor Who podcast. There's a wrestling podcast. There's a What Did You Watch? It's all about the latest TV shows and what's going on in that segment of media check it out some great stuff once again this is ultimate marvel podcast if you want to reach out to us you can hit us up on twitter i'm jack sutherland that's at j-a-c-k-s-u-t-h-e-r-l-a-n-d ronnie is at ron bar r-o-n-b-a-r 316 and the podcast is at ultimate marvel pod it's not the word marvel though it's just marv m-a-r-v-p-o-d check us out hit us up tell us what you like tell us what you didn't like we'd love to hear from you peace